Hey, loggers, welcome back to another bite-sized episode of the Backlog Breakdown. Um, hopefully this doesn't sound too weird. I've got a little bit different of a mobile recording setup that I wanted to try out for this outing, uh, for this little bite-sized episode, so hopefully it, it works. Um, it's a nice little microphone. Anyways, you don't care about that stuff, and I need to, if, if I'm going to make this bite-sized, I need to uh, get on it, because today... We are going to be talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! King of Games. I'm sure you know that because of the title of the episode, right? Uh, but, okay, first I wanted to start out, why, why, Josh, why the heck are we talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! today? I thought this was a podcast about video games. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of a roundabout way <laughs> in, in a sense of, of why I wanted to. First of all, I've just been into it lately, and I wanted to gush. <laughs> I wanted to share my thoughts on the series and and all of the different ephemera. I mean, not all of it, but you know, just just a few things. Um, so I, I gotta say right off the bat, nostalgia plays very heavily into this. Um, I am a thirty-one-year-old dad, um, and I'm getting into Yu-Gi-Oh. I totally get that's kind of ironic. I'm getting into this this shonen uh, manga. It's it's not. Um, it's not the most manly endeavor that I've ever started, but um, it's enjoyable, and I wanted to talk to you today and tell you why it's enjoyable. So, uh, why are we talking about Yu-Gi-Oh um, on a video game podcast? Well, um, primarily, it's because the reason I started getting back into Yu-Gi-Oh recently is because of the video games. It's kind of a misnomer, because the video game is really just a digital version of the card game, so, eh, roundabout. But, the video game's a lot of fun, and so I'm associating it in my brain with the video game. So if you like Yu-Gi-Oh!, go pick up the video games. There we go. That's why I'm talking about it. Um, but uh, actually, I'm going to talk mostly today about the manga and how that, uh, you know, basically the origin of Yu-Gi-Oh! And, and how that affected all these different um, pieces of media that comes along with it. So, um, like I said, heavy on the nostalgia here. My history with the series, it, uh, as far as I remember, started with the TV show, okay? So, four kids took the, the Japanese TV show and they dubbed it. They uh, changed certain characters' names so they were a little bit more American, uh, easier to pronounce over here. In Amer- you know, just, just more... Um, understandable, recognizable for you, your 9 to 13-year-old boys. Uh, they also edited out a lot of things, and they kind of chopped up a bunch of the episodes and mashed them together uh, just so that they were a little bit more appropriate because the manga is actually aimed more at older teenagers where uh, the four kids show, it's it's squarely in that, like, middle schooler, preteen vibe. Um, so... The, it is, it is what it is. Uh, I am going to disparage that show a lot throughout this episode, uh, just because... Now, I get it. I get it. It's from a business standpoint. It makes sense that you want something that appeals to the children so that you can sell your toys. I totally get it. Um, however, that it, it is a bastardization of uh, Kazuki Takahashi's original stories. That's the problem that I have with it. 
Okay, so it started off with the TV show for me, and then it went into the cards. Um, when I was in high school or so, I got into the card game. I played with my brother primarily. We have a card shop not too far from where we lived, so we'd ride our bikes down there. I'd spend all my money that I was making, you know, working at a fast food joint at 16 years old on uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and we'd buy the new structure decks and the booster packs and things like that and, and make better decks and, and play with each other. Um, I even went to a few, on Saturdays they had, you know, specific Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments that went on as well. And I, I went to a couple of those and that was a lot of fun, even though I was not very good. I, I was good, you know, playing with my brother was a lot of fun, but it was definitely not tournament level stuff because I never had that much money to, you know, really buy all the good cards. Anyways, so that's the cards. Um, it, you know, as I got, got older, more of the games started coming over here to America. So I played a few of those, uh, the original Game Boy Color game, Dungeon Dice Monsters, um, even there were some advanced uh, Game Boy Advance games that were pretty good as well. And they all pretty much revolved around the, the card game itself. There are a few outliers um, that actually did their own thing, but for the most part, they were digital versions of the uh, different the card games, and and I enjoyed them because then you could actually get these cards without spending, you know, dozens if not hundreds of dollars in order to to get some of these really rare cards. Uh, and then also in high school, I subscribed to the physical edition of Shonen Jump, and they started putting every once in a while some Yu-Gi-Oh in there. Um, and well, we'll talk about it later. But the manga is kind of split up here in America. It, it's sort of a Dragon Ball situation, right? So Akira Toriyama uh, wrote Dragon Ball and, and just went through the entire thing and just called it Dragon Ball, uh, even with a big jump in there. Same with Naruto, Naruto and Naruto Shippuden here in America. I'm I, my understanding is that that's all just Naruto. Um, but here in America, we we decided to chop it up to Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, we did the same thing with Yu-Gi-Oh! So here in America, it's Yu-Gi-Oh!, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist, and then Yu-Gi-Oh! Millennium World. But we'll get to that in just a second. Um, it, let's go ahead and jump into what the origins of Yu-Gi-Oh! is. So I started off by saying that it's Yu-Gi-Oh! King of Games. That's actually what Yu-Gi-Oh! means, King of Games, which is kind of funny because most of the time, when you think about Yu-Gi-Oh, I don't know about you, but for me, I think about the card game, right? That's this kind of the whole point. The duel, heart of the cards, you know, that, that kind of a thing. Um, well, initially, it wasn't even about the card game. So uh, let's drop in here. Uh, the mangaka, the original, the guy who decided that he wanted to do a manga about the king of games... Um, started off, he had tried to do another, a few other manga. My understanding is that there were two other manga that he tried to start off and get into Shonen Jump because that's the you know premier place where you go to submit your Shonen manga, and it, it didn't really work out for him. Okay, so he's he's trying to draw these stories, write these stories, and it's it's just not working. So two, he's got two failures under his belt, and he decides that he wants to make a horror manga. Okay, so when he's thinking about the different uh, themes in horror, he didn't want to go the route of just having people fighting all the time. Um, to me, I see a lot of um, inspiration from Yu Yu Hakusho in Yu-Gi-Oh. Although I could, that could just be because I recently watched through Yu Yu Hakusho. I don't know. Uh, but the same idea of like school kids. But he didn't want to do what Yu Yu Hakusho was doing. He didn't want to have it about like fist fighting uh, because eventually that kind of takes over. Over the entire story. And so he wanted to have these types of battles that were a little bit more cerebral. And so he decided to go with games, right? So he wanted to write a, a dark horror manga about games. 
on top of that, some of the other themes that he really wanted to put into this manga was the idea of a duality of a person. So when you think about games uh, and then how it melds with the ideas of horror, he wanted to, to convey this idea of a person who was very mild-mannered, who once they started playing games became very shrewd and very uh, almost harsh and cutthroat with other people. And so that's where the, the genesis of this idea, if you're familiar with Yu-Gi-Oh! at all, the main character Yugi gets this split personality, this, uh, this other spirit living inside of him because he solves the Millennium Puzzle and this ancient pharaoh spirit actually comes inside of him. And so that's one of the key themes is this duality um, that different people have that I get it because I'm a bit of a competitive person. I'm generally mild mannered, but but competition can, you know, really get my blood pumping. So I totally understand. Uh, but that was one of the themes. The other theme that he wanted to kind of explore, which is pretty typical for shonen manga, is the idea of friendship. Okay, so, you know, that you're stronger together with friends than you are by yourself. That, again, pretty typical for shonen manga. This theme of friendship, you do see it a bit. Here's, here's another, I'm going to be critical of the anime. You do see it a bit in the anime, but it feels very ham-fisted, where the manga really, I, I feel... It kind of sets the stage for that theme to actually kind of make sense with Yu-Gi-Oh actually making, with Yugi, excuse me, making friends in his school who were actually once his enemies. So this comes back to this idea of, you know, it was split here in America, the different sections of the manga. So the first 50 chapters or so of this manga that Takahashi decided he wanted to do, it was basically like each chapter or few chapters was about one certain game. So for one chapter, it might be about like these little Tamagotchi, right? And then for another chapter, it was about Dungeons and Dragons. And another chapter, it was about... It was about a, a gachapon game or something like that. But really, he, he was just saying, okay, this, this is just going to be about a bunch of games that this Yugi character plays and then the spirit inside him kind of comes out. And it gets pretty ruthless. I mean, there's, there's death. Um, the, the one YouTuber points out that within this, the first 50 chapters of this uh, manga, three different people catch on fire <laughs> because they lose different games. And, and Yugi's, the pharaoh spirit within Yugi is pretty ruthless. Uh, whenever you lose a game against, he, he pretty much only goes up against, you know, punks and bad guys. But when you lose a game against him, there, there's some pretty rough stuff that happens. Like, People die, or they get stabbed, or they go crazy. Like, it does actually get kind of dark. And the, this is the kind of stuff that uh, was not okay for the four kids dub. Not that they really even started the show uh, after all this happened, after this initial 50 chapters. So during this 50-chapter run, uh, Kazuki did go ahead and throw in a, uh, a card game, right? So the, the original kind of Yu-Gi-Oh card game, or the initial idea of it. Um, and they called it, he called it Magic and Wizards. And basically, the, the premise behind this was that you are a magician and you are summoning these different uh, monsters in order to fight for you. Um, and you see, like, all throughout the manga, actually... The game, the, the card game itself is never really set in stone as to how it's played. It changes and it evolves throughout the actual, the manga's initial run. And that's because it never really was about the card game. Uh, that really came later. But 
Kazuki got feedback from Shonen Jump and, and from other people who were enjoying this manga that they really liked this card game that he introduced. Um, if you know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh, Seto Kaiba was first introduced um, along with this card game. And so Kaiba actually ends up being one of like the main uh, antagonists or sort of anti-hero throughout the whole series. So Kazuki is getting this feedback. Okay, this card game. We really like this card game. And you have to, you know, give it to him. He decides, along, I'm sure, along with Shonen Jump, uh, you know, editors and whatnot, that this is going to be the thrust of the manga, at least from now on. Like, this is what kids want to read about. So I'm going to go ahead and pursue that. Again, you have to put yourself into his shoes. He had already gone through two other failures of manga. And this is his chance. Like, this one is catching on. And on top of that, people are really enjoying the, this card game that he's introducing. So he runs after it. And then the, the main portion of the manga, so the first 50 chapters, like I said, the first seven volumes of Yu-Gi-Oh!, is really just kind of about all these different uh, games that Yugi plays. It's about him and his friendship with uh, these other school, like basically punks. All his friends are punks, and that's why it kind of reminds me of Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, but they form this bond, and they become better. They better each other because of their friendship and the games that they play. And and there's you know there's this ruthless side to Yugi that's going on here as well. So, uh, Kazuki, uh, needless to say, Kazuki makes it big <laughs> with this manga. Um, between the manga, between the card game, the card game right now is a billion dollar franchise. Uh, the card game is actually bigger throughout the world than Magic the Gathering is. And when I found that out, that, that amazed me. I couldn't believe that. Here in America, Magic is a little bit bigger, but internationally, Yu-Gi-Oh! is bigger than Magic the Gathering, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so, so again, you, you got to think about, man, he really, because he was kind of following where his fans wanted him to go, um, I, I, I see it as a good business move he really wanted to, you know, he wanted to make it. He wanted to to do a shonen manga that that people would enjoy, and so he went down this road. So after those initial seven volumes, he does a twenty four volume run to over two hundred chapters, where it's primarily focused on the card game. Um, and like I said, the rules of the card game change; they're not really hard and fast. He doesn't nail it down. And to me, knowing where he's come from, that just tells me the the way that the monsters react in the card game is more like a game of D anD. d uh, Koski is really about the the interpersonal relationships that are going on throughout the manga as opposed to just the battles themselves. So the way that um, there's a rule in the card game that flying monsters, you know, can't be hit by monsters that have swords. And that's nowhere in the card game. Like, that, that, that's not a thing. Um, but in the manga, it is because you're putting yourself in a different world. You have to think, you know, you're this wizard summoning this this otherworldly monster. And it feels more like a game of D&D than it does just a straight card game with hard and fast rules. So a few things about Kazuki's storytelling throughout, you know, there's a few things that I've, I've already mentioned. The, the manga goes through, it's a seven-year span that I kind of blew through in about a month uh, because of the Shonen Jump uh, app. You should, you should check it out. It's a good value for two bucks. Um, it's a total of 343 chapters. Like I said, the volume is split up here in America. Um, and overall, I'm pretty impressed with the reoccurring themes throughout this manga. Like I said, friendship, um, this idea of the duality, it really 
uh, the last seven volumes of the manga really dive into the the history of the pharaoh, which was my personal favorite part of the manga. But knowing what Kazuki was trying to do and the ideas that he had for this really uh, helped me see more. It, it helped to contextualize this manga a bit more than, than the four kids anime. Case in point, I think the uh, card battles in the manga are actually pretty short. Like I said, the cards really kind of revolve around the people who are using them more than they do, you know, oh, this is a super rare card. But no, what does this card say about its player? And how does this, how does the player actually use this card within this battle that's going on between the two different people? And and how are we going to trust our friends in the midst of a one-on-one -on -one duel? Uh, that's something that comes up all throughout the manga. And lastly, I do think uh, what's really remarkable, at least to me, is, again, this idea of reoccurring themes. Kosky actually saw some plot points through from the beginning of the manga all the way to the end. Some of the characters that he introduces in the original run show up as main characters at the end of the manga. He, he, he keeps using them, and not in a way that's just like, you know, regurgitating them, but in a way that really contextualizes and, and tells you this is why that character was there. Uh, there is a huge backstory. Again, the end of the manga goes back into ancient Egypt to explain the pharaoh. And there are some characters that reoccur back in ancient Egypt Egypt that are mirrored in the, the, you know, in the modern period where the manga takes place. And I really appreciate that. I thought that was, I don't want to say a stroke of genius, but I, I just thought it was really good storytelling that he didn't throw away a lot of characters, but he actually, it, it felt like, you know, your main cast of characters really had a point because uh, they, they were actually mirrored in a previous, you know, lifetime, thousands of years ago. And again, I do have to reiterate, those, those last seven volumes really were my favorite. The stuff that takes place in ancient Egypt was, it was dark. <laughs> I mean, the, the one thing I mentioned, I think it was in the Discord, I don't know. Uh, one thing that, that the manga talks about is like, the genocide of an, an entire town so that they could bring about these um, particular millennium items, uh, like literally sacrificing them to a dark god in order to bring these about. So it's just like, I, I was like, oh my goodness, how, I don't understand how this could have been made in, into an anime. I don't know how four kids did it. I stopped watching the the anime. So I don't, I don't even know if they address it, to be honest. Um, but there is some some rough stuff that happens towards the end. But again, it, it shows you, you know, when they go to ancient Egypt, it shows like these are the, the actual magicians, the wizards who were summoning these different um, monsters that lived inside people. It's it's actually a lot like Persona. Um, the, the idea is that people have these kind of like distortions inside their soul and that this special group of magicians can basically bring out of you and put them in these stone slabs. And so that kind of, that was the basis for this card game in the modern age. Anyways, I really enjoyed it, That the last seven volumes in particular. I just felt like it was a really good payoff. Uh, again, it is, it is a shonen manga, so it's not, you know, it's not going to do anything you're not going to have an existential crisis just from reading this month. No, it's it's fun. 
It's just fun, and I did enjoy it. The last little note that I will say is that you do get to see a progression of Kazuki's artwork throughout the run. I mean, it's seven years of you know doing a weekly manga. Of course, he would get better. Um, but I have to be honest, he's not the best artist in the world, especially early on. You can see he, he's pretty... Uh, he has a very free hand with a lot of his art, I'll put it that way. But then towards the end, he definitely has more bold lines, uh, more, I guess, straight lines as well, uh, real stark kind of artwork. And again, for that those last volumes where he goes back to ancient Egypt, the, the types of things that he's drawing are considerably harder than the stuff that was going on early on. You see a lot of like two-page spreads. Um, the monster designs are really... I, I think, honestly, that is the, the best thing that he does is the monster designs. Um, even when he shows some of the sketches, you know, just, just kind of inserted throughout the, the different volumes. Uh, those are some of my favorite pieces of art. And if you see some of his art that he does now, I think he's gotten even way better. Um, you know, he's not the best artist in the world, but he, he's definitely come a long way by the end of the manga. So, in conclusion, is Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, like, should you, should you check it out? Do I recommend it? Eh, it's a light recommendation for me. Like I said, it is a shonen manga, and I am driven by nostalgia because um, a lot of the stuff I got into in high school. Uh, but I think if you go into it and with the proper context, you think about what Kazuki Takahashi was trying to do with his manga, I think you can see that, that he succeeds for the most part in a lot of it. Um, Takahashi is, he's a gamer, in, like the D&D type gamer. And you see that come out. His love for games really comes out through this manga. And, and I think it, it shows itself really well, you know? I got kind of a kinship there. Uh, not that I've ever played D&D, but I enjoy video games, right? Um, but also, you know, ideas of friendship all throughout this manga. And, and just some of the themes that reoccur. Like I said, it has, I felt like it had a big payoff in the end. So I really enjoy it. So it, it, I'd say, yeah, it's a light recommendation for me. By way of a postscript, I just wanted to talk about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! after Kazuki Takahashi. Because he really only wrote those 343 chapters. You know, he, he did Yu-Gi-Oh! for seven years. Uh, and then the card game has just taken off, right? Like I said, it's a billion-dollar franchise for Konami, who puts out these cards. And honestly, it, it's kind of... <laughs> Takahashi left the helm after his initial run and has since allowed other people to do Yu-Gi-Oh! after him and he just kind of oversees it. So every other iteration of Yu-Gi-Oh! is just overseen by him. It's not actually done by him. I stopped at the end of this run. I, Frankly, I didn't really... What I've heard about Yu-Gi-Oh! after Takahashi is that it all revolves around the cards and it's basically just to show you the newest coolest cards it does follow the rules of the card game more closely because it's kind of just a commercial for the card game and frankly that's probably why the cards have actually gotten so popular so again from a business standpoint i get it but it is um in a smaller way than the original anime was I do think it is taking what Kazuki wanted to do and really just commoditizing it. It's it's really just enticing kids to go buy cards and play th these card games because that's really what it's become about instead of these ideas that that uh, Takahashi really wanted to uh, 
convey with his original manga. So not that I've really looked into it very much, just from the stuff that I've heard, eh, not really interested in in anything after Takahashi. Um, I will say, apparently he wrote a movie that came out in 2017, the, the Dark Dimension something, something or other. It's on Amazon Prime. I watched it. Eh. It, it, it didn't really do much for me. So whatever. Um, like I said, my favorite was the end of the manga and, and that was kind of the best stuff for me. So, um, as far as the card game goes, like I said, I got the newest game on switch. It has tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of cards in it. So I can, you know, play that if I ever get an itch for the card, which I currently, you know, I'm, I'm playing through it and it's a lot of fun. Um, but as of now, between reading the manga and owning this game, I'm good. Like, the, I, I'm good. So, light recommendation for Yu-Gi-Oh! If you check it out, let us know about it. I'd love to hear. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit more uh, interactive on Twitter. So, so hit us up there, at BBDowncast on Twitter. I'd love to hear what your thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh! are, if you've ever actually looked into the manga, if you've known any of these differences, and some of the things that stood out to you. If, uh, if you're a fan of Shonen Jump, like I said, $2 a month will get you the digital editions, and you can go you know, read through the entire thing like I did over the course of a month, too. So let us know what you think, um, or if I'm just a, a giant man-child trying to relive my teenage years. I, that very well may be true. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, till next time, loggers. You keep beating down your backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at BBDownCast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Hey there, I'm Wes, and I run the Henshin Dab Podcast. If you don't know what that is, well... It's a one-man show where I talk about all the things that you need to know about the tokusatsu genre from Japan. If you've seen shows like Power Rangers and Ultraman, then you've seen tokusatsu. And I just happen to think those types of shows are pretty cool. So come on over and take a listen as I discuss all the current and retro happenings in the genre. You can find it over at anchor.fm forward slash Dad. I'll see you there, and don't forget, Henshin a go-go, baby!